Hey, smart mamas. Welcome to the Scrub Caps and Sippy Cups podcast, a podcast about balancing mom life and work life and everything in between. Being a mama is a hard job. We are three nurse anesthetists reaching out to support and encourage other moms with hectic and chaotic lives. I want to be a nurse anesthetist. No topics are off limits. Relationships, finance, mental health, work. And we aren't sugarcoating anything. No way or way. This is real life, real moms, real advice. And we want this to be interactive. We want to hear from you. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Thanks so much for hopping back on with us at Scrub Cups and Sippy Cups. We're so glad you're joining us tonight. We have an awesome, awesome guest and topic for you today, which I feel like is probably more prevalent than not, but not talked about enough. Um, So we have Bonnie Lenz on with us today. I'm going to have Bonnie tell us all about herself and we're going to kind of like, as usual, let her take the lead and venture down the path that you know, this next 35, 40 minutes is going to take us. Um, so Bonnie, welcome. We're so glad you're here today. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. I feel so honored. Yeah. It's really exciting to have all kinds of, you know, different moms from different backgrounds and different paths of life, which I feel like a lot of people can relate to. You know what guys though? I feel like this is like very appropriate timing considering what just went on in our profession this past week with the tragic passing, which we should also mention of Wendy Black. And um, I've got to pull her name up, Tara. Why am I blanking on her last name? Who were unfortunately murdered by another CRNA who they all had like a relationship with. I didn't know there were two different CRNAs. Yeah. So they they all- I thought there was one. No. So the the gentleman had children with the one, I I guess it was his ex-wife. That was Wendy thinking of her family. And there was custody issues, I guess, going on. I don't know the full story. I know just what's been reported. And then he was in another relationship that was another CRNA, Tara, and you know, thoughts go out to her family as well. And she was pregnant with their child. And he was obviously suffering mental health issues. There was a lot of like, you know, allegations of abuse going on and really went live on Facebook during this and like shot. Tara in the head first and that on a Facebook live that part I didn't well know. He, he didn't win her live he he had shot her got on live said it and then said you know the cause of all this is my ex-wife because like they you know he apparently was depressed and whatever like that's what he said we're not you know supporting any of this we're just repeating and um, he said, you know, I'm going to have to go do it to her too. And then after that, I'm going to do it to myself. And like, literally he's at her front door and she opens the door and he goes, oh, there she is now. And literally the last thing you hear him say is today's the day. And it like gave me chills. So oh, then he- Oh my God. Her, and their two oh. small daughters were in the car when he did it. He, they didn't see it, but like they were there. And then he committed suicide. So that like really rocked our community. I I mean, like our CRNA community is very small and we all kind of like know each other in passing or know someone who knows someone who knows someone. So, you know, it was a really, really, really bad week. But I, I know that obviously, you know, abuse and cycles and trauma and obviously mental health is a big issue. So I feel like Bonnie, you're on 
like just at the right time to kind of talk about all of this and, you know, how cycles repeat and how breaking the cycle is important and, you know, going through the trauma and the PTSD and stuff. Um, so I'm going to let you kind of tell us like how our listeners may or may not know you. Yeah, let me jump so, in real quick before okay. my computer totally kicks me off. So Bonnie's local to me. She's actually a client of mine and we got to talking and she used to be in healthcare and kind of took a couple steps back and is kind of focused her work now on breaking the cycles of parenting. And, you know, I, I'm not going to say the right words, Bonnie, because this is your thing, but I just wanted, she was so interesting and had such a good story that I wanted her to hop on and kind of tell us where you found the kind of courage and drive to do what you do. She now has a nonprofit and just is doing the thing. And it's just very interesting. And yours is more of like cultural cycles. Is that right? Um, I think just like in general, I think a lot of it is cultural. And like, when you look at mainstream parenting, you know, it's, it's not conducive to helping children's mental health and helping people thrive and families thrive. And it's not evidence-based. It doesn't um, support the evidence. So I think a lot of things are cultural, um, especially like with hitting and, and, and things like that, but also just, um, yeah, just mainstream parenting in general, like it, like, you know, it, in the U S it's just, yeah, there's like a lot of, it's like behind the times for, for sure, especially with, yeah, it's just not supported by the evidence. Can you just give us a little introduction into like, now we know how, you know, Crystal, but like kind of what you do and and just a little bit of your background? Yeah. So actually I'm an RN, but I took a break and then I became a, a mom. I actually went into nursing for, I think it, it really came down to people pleasing. I wanted people to think I was good and to, I mean, it's, you know, considered one of the most noble professions, right? And I think it was like how people perceived me. And I realized I was um, kind of re-traumatizing myself because I wasn't yet healed. And then I just, I let, I, I would blame myself for everything, no matter really, really like what it was. And I, I was a decent nurse. Uh, I didn't, you know, I didn't get burned up for anything and do anything terrible. And I just really tried to be there for my patients, but it took a really large, big emotional toll on me. So anyways, I, I am an RN, but I'm, you know, I guess I'm still taking a break. I don't know if I'll come back to it, but I'm a, I'm a mother to three. I, my oldest is six and let's see, right before the pandemic, um, you know, I did a lot of counseling and parent coaching and things like that. And I set this boundary with my family of origin and I'm a survivor of child abuse. So, um, you know, I was physically abused, sexually abused and emotionally abused. And sort of the last straw was when I realized I was still being emotionally abused by my parents. And so I was going, I was seeing a parenting coach and she sort of just pointed it out. She's like, Bonnie, that's, that's emotional abuse. And then that kind of lit a fire under me. And I, I set this boundary with my parents. And then 
after that, I got the idea to to start this nonprofit to help other people and to hopefully help prevent abuse and just help parents in their parenting. We also help provide, so we help provide counseling and parent coaching and other parenting resources. And I wanted to give people access to those things um, because it, it's a real privilege to have access to that. And it's really helped me and um, it's helped me break so many cycles that, that that's sort of, you know, like what inspired me to, to do this work and just totally, you know, shift everything. And I feel like it's become like, I feel really vulnerable because it's my whole heart that I'm like giving off to the world. And, and I know a lot of people don't support this and yeah. I understand what you mean by people don't support this. And I wonder if it's that they truly don't support it or they don't understand it and don't understand what it means to be in a cycle, therefore to break a cycle. I don't know your thoughts on that. I think it is a lot. A lot of it's just a lack of understanding, I feel like. And, you know, I feel like there's a lot of people still hurting out there and that still, you know, aren't healed or even aren't aware that they have things that they could heal from. And I think there's also like with um, a mainstream parenting, there, there's this, I feel like there's this need for control and for us to, it's a tough cycle to break. And for us to um, automatically like punish the child or show our kids like that, you know, they can't disrespect us and they can't walk over us. And, but that's not really the case. I feel like a lot of issues that parents have, you know, are actually what's developmentally appropriate for those, those ages. Like that's what their brains are wired to do is to, you know, have tantrums sometimes. And like, you know, they might hit, they might do things that are really triggering. And, but I think there's like a, a lack of understanding to what's, to the evidence, what's developmentally appropriate, what's, what's supported by evidence, what children are actually capable of. Um, I, I think there's a big lack of understanding in general with just how children's brains work and yeah, like what they're capable of. Sorry. I like, I had something else and then it, it left me. Is there a type of parenting style? Like you kind of adopted you know, like a gentle parenting or I don't even know the name. like attachment parenting yeah. is, is there another like, yeah. like common name. I feel like it all falls under the umbrella of authoritative parenting, um, not authoritarian parenting, but authoritative parenting. And really that, I feel like that includes positive parenting, gentle parenting, respectful parenting, mindful parenting, feel and attachment parenting. It's all sort of under the, I feel like a really similar things and it's all, you know, supported by evidence and meeting the child where they're at and like being on their team. And, you know, that, that can help eliminate power struggles. And I mean, it, it's really hard to, to break that cycle. You know, like you see, you know, videos on social media of like a child having a tantrum or acting up and, you know, people will comment, oh, that child needs a beating, that child needs a spanking, that child, you know, doesn't get, shouldn't get Christmas. That presents, would never you know? work in my house. I'd show yeah. that child, like those kind of comments. Yeah. Yeah. So like you see that, but I, I feel like, you know, it's just such a lack of understanding of 
what what really is happening. It's our children aren't here to, I mean, sometimes it can feel that way. I mean, I, I've been there. I've definitely been triggered. And it's harder for those who have also been through abuse. And it, it's it's even harder to break those cycles because you you weren't shown what was healthy. And also it it does impact um, your development um, if you weren't shown love in a healthy way. So you've kind of said that kind of mainstream parenting in the US isn't necessarily backed by evidence. Can you like elaborate a little bit more on that? And, you know, we kind of talked about different parenting strategies. Is there something that is like that authoritative parenting is more evidence-based? Like what is the evidence and what should we kind of be looking at? So there's a couple of books that talk more specifically about this. If you have like a cycle, so I mean, what do you think mainstream? Like, do you think it's like spankings? Like, yeah, it's like based out of, so it's fear-based parenting in my opinion and like sort of what I've seen. So it's like spanking and yelling and threats, you know, and things like that, which it's very easy to fall back on, especially when we're triggered which can happen easily. I mean, it's, I mean, it can happen for so many reasons, right? It just, it doesn't work. It can actually make behavior. I mean, there's a lot of studies about it. I think there's another nonprofit that I think it's called, I think it's just called Stop Spanking. I don't know if anybody spanks in here. I personally don't. I'm not one to really act on anger though either. So, and I was never really spanked growing up. But like, I've never had the urge to do so. And I don't know if it's because I didn't grow up that way. Do either, do any of you guys have any experience with that? I don't think I was ever spanked as a child. I don't remember. I remember my dad threw a pillow at me one time and that was like the extent of his anger. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, we had our moments, don't get me wrong, but it wasn't like a go get the belt or anything. Oh, no. My my husband will tell you that, that like his Italian family, like... He, he, like, I don't know if he's joking or not, but he's like, me and my brother used to shove magazines in our pans because, like, if my mom came after me with a wooden spoon, she would, like, hit us in the butt and, like, we had magazines shoved in our pants. So then, like, nothing happened. But I think, like, they joke about it mostly. But the one and only time I've ever, like, spanked my child was because he kept smashing his self into the door like hitting it hard so I was like do you want to see what it's like to be hit do you think the door likes to be hit and I was like do you like this and he was like no and I was like okay that's it so then that's where it ended but um it was more of a lesson of like you know we keep our hands to ourselves we don't hit hands are for helping we talk about it over and over I feel like now he turned three and he gets it I think they go through this phase like this weird phase like 18 to 24 maybe 30 months where like they recognize that their hands they can like get what they want by like inflicting some kind of like harm, or maybe they don't have the words to describe how they're feeling. So they get so frustrated. They just like hit. It's not like to, you know, hurt someone. It's just like, they can't get it out. So we like really worked through that. But um, yeah, I mean, it's tough. Cause like, how do you tell your kid don't hit and then you hit? Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, behavior. So for me growing up, we were spanked, but it didn't happen very often. And there was like one incident that I remember, like we were told we were going to get the belt if we did something. I don't even know what that something was. But my 
my parents clearly didn't want to do it, but they said they were going to do it. So then they like followed through with it and it was a terrible experience for everyone involved and it never happened again after that. And I, I think it was like, from my memory of it is it was lessened than they had said it was going to be. Mm-hmm. Um, Cause like I said, it was a terrible experience for everyone involved. Yeah. But for me, I can, you know, I can relate to you, Ellen, with like, we have spanked my my son. And that's largely because he, it, it usually happens when he's hitting his sister and he keeps hitting his sister. And it's like, this is what it feels like to be hit kind of a situation. And, yeah. and it doesn't happen often. And, and yeah. it's, it's pretty rare and hasn't happened in a really long time now. But that's something that, yeah, like, how do you teach that, you know, I mean, like you're showing them like what you're doing is hurting, but then also like, I'm showing you not to hit by hitting you. It doesn't make sense. And so, but I can see how these cycles can perpetuate. And like, if you were spanked or like a classic example would be Adrian Peterson of the Minnesota Vikings, who ended up getting in trouble for child abuse because he used a switch on his son, which he was used on him when he was a kid. So he was like, I did what you're supposed to do when your kid misbehaves, you know, kind of a, a cycle yeah, that ends up either. leading somewhere bad. Yeah. yeah, for sure. I think like, it's very similar when you and I are discussing, like, this is so weird, but like when, you know, like kids go through that weird biting stage too. And I remember my first child, mm-hmm. they were like, listen, don't be upset if your kid bites someone because like one day they're the biter, the next day they're the bitey, like they all go through it. But I remember like at home one time, I forget which kid it was, but they like bit me. So I was like, I bit them back because everyone was like, bite them back. They'll never do it again. And I did. I mean, obviously not hard, but like just to show them like what it feels like. And I feel like it startles them and you don't even have to hurt them. They're just like, oh my God, what is she doing? But it's kind of the same thing. Like you need to show them like what you're doing. And it reminds me of like dogs. Like if you've ever been someone who has had multiple dogs, when you bring a new puppy, the, the older dog like trains the puppy on social cues and like how to behave socially because they don't know as puppies how to behave. So they'll like be annoying or they'll nip or bite or like be aggressive. And the older dog like holds them down or like bites at them, not hard, but Mm -hmm. enough to like, you know, like correct them. And so it's just, it's funny how like even in nature, like other animals to their young or to their like siblings really correct them and are like, no, we don't act that way in public, you know, like get your shit together. So this whole conversation is really interesting about cycles. And it makes me wonder, like, what are some of the common cycles? You know, like spanking is a big one. Like you said, kind of fear-based parenting threats. You know, I think like, honestly, like one of the the, the threats that I've seen on Facebook recently, it's like every time around Christmas time, it's like, there's always this, like, if you want your kids to behave, like, you know, threaten Santa, Santa's not going to come. Or like, I even saw one suggestion that was just insane. It was like wrap empty presents. And then yeah, when your kids too. are, when your kids are misbehaving, take one and throw it in the garbage or throw it in the fire. And then like, they'll never misbehave again because you'll throw away their presents. And it was like, Like that is like fear-based parenting at its finest. Yeah. And I feel like, you know, that might get like a lot of these tactics can get like, you know, like an instant, 
you know, reaction or it can stop whatever behavior in the moment, but then it can actually, you know, it, these, these threats and things are just, then they're not really learning because then they're in, you're not really learning when you're afraid, like when you're in fight or flight and when you're afraid of something, it doesn't really teach them a lesson. They, they say, you know, that the punishment or not punishment, they say to discipline your child, the consequence, what should have to do more like with the, with the action, with the behavior or punishment so like should fit the cold, what punishment should fit the crime. Yeah. Well, so it so should like, be related yeah. to it. Mm. Yeah. Related to it. And, and, and instead of like, and instead of calling it punishments, it's more like discipline because the definition of disciple is to teach. Right. And, and we don't have to necessarily like punish them. So say they're cold and, or say, say it's cold outside and they don't want a jacket. Well, like what's the worst that, as long as it's safe, what's the worst that could happen? They get cold. So and, and then they realize, oh, next time I'm going to need a jacket or maybe you could bring it. And then instead of having that, you know, power struggle, like you have to wear this, you know, um, as long as it's, you know, safe. And like with um, like, you know, with the biting and things like that, like there, there's it's hard because it, it will like stop it. But it, it could, you, you know, it, it could potentially be be damaging. But, you know, like, I mean, I, there's like I'm not shaming anybody like I've I've been there and and triggered and I've well not, I, I know you guys said you weren't triggered but I've you know I grew up being hit a lot and just and hard and frequently and you know and it's you know I I've had some knee-jerk reactions that that I'm not proud of and it's it, it takes a lot of work to um, break that cycle but you know the, there's things that you know we can do like the the hitting is you know you can block the hit and just, you know, say what you see, like, and you try to look for the unmet need, like, oh, you look really mad. I see you're hitting. I'm not going to let you do that. Like set that boundary. It's not permissive. A lot of people think it's permissive parenting, but it's like, it's not permissive. We're setting that boundary and we're, we're going to block it or we're going to remove them from the situation. And because the first thing you want to do is create safety. And then, you know, you can say what say what you see. Sometimes it helps just to observe what you see instead of sort of making a judgment like, oh, that was bad. You're so bad for doing that. Because I think also like a lot of children group thinking they were bad and, and also validating feelings can go a really long way. Like, oh, you must've been so mad to do that. And then sort of talk about that and, you know, look for the unmet need. Maybe they were really mad about something and we need to talk about it. Maybe they're really tired. They're really hungry. You know, maybe they don't feel seen and heard, like especially toddlers with the biting and the, the hitting. Those, those are natural. Those are things that are developmentally appropriate. But they it, I mean, those are also behaviors that we don't we're we're not going to let we're not going to let keep happening. Right. Because it, it's it's not OK and it's not healthy. So we can still set that boundary. And, you know, they don't have impulse control until. I think their brain starts developing it around like a just starting like around age four. So it's going to take a lot of those of stepping in. It's, it takes a lot of practice, but if we consistently do it, then they will learn. And then, you know, the, then we're not doing like, oh, well, because they do follow our example. Like 
oh, well, mommy hit, so I'm going to hit. But then, of course, like it, it is developmentally appropriate too at, at certain ages as well. So, yeah, yeah, it, it's hard. It's a lot of work and like rethinking and, you know, looking for the unmet need and figuring out what that is and trying to solve it is much more difficult than just, you know, like using fear to stop them from doing something. But then like the data says that, you know, it can actually make behavior worse. It can show up in other areas. Maybe they stopped hitting, but maybe they're going to, maybe they do something else. So, so yeah, but it's, it's a lot, it's a whole like new way of like thinking about it. And it's, I feel like it's more challenging, but it's also like really worth it. Yeah. I was just going to say parenting's always been hard. Like, oh, even over the years, you know, decades before us, but I feel like it's getting a lot harder because it's becoming more intentional, you know, whereas mm-hmm. before, you know, it was, you know, they would get a swat or a spanking out of a reaction, but now it's like, okay, I want to mold them into this competent, intelligent human being. And I want to like foster all their, anything I can to help them be this great human, but it's just, it's hard. Parenting is hard. Yeah. yeah. So and I feel of- like, Oh no, I was just going to say so much of parenting is now done kind of in a spotlight where it's much more visible than like, I mean, think about how active and out and about and activities that were in that kids, like even when we were little, like as a four-year-old, were you in soccer and dance and gymnastics and all of those things? But now our kids are in all these activities and we're so stimulating to them. And then you know, we want them to be these perfect little angels. And when they misbehave in public, you know, we think it reflects on us. It really doesn't. It's like, they're a kid, but like, like my husband sometimes says like, oh, and you're embarrassing me. And I'm like, no, he's embarrassing himself by throwing this temper tantrum. I am not in control of this. Like he, he is doing this to himself. Yeah, for sure. Just going to say, kind of touch on what you had said. I really liked it that like, removing them from the situation that actually, now that you said that is what helped us get past the hitting phase, because like my middle child is the youngest of hit. Well, the youngest of the cousins that is able to play. Cause like Gianna can't do anything. Mm-hmm. He like sits up now. So he's always kind of like overlooked or like they leave him out or, you know, whatever, like he's a little kid. So, and he would get angry and his only way to defend himself would be to like hit somebody. And because it would like take his toys or like be mean to him. And like, he would get so upset. He's very emotional. Like he, he's a touchy one. He loves hugs. He loves love. So we've actually found like when he gets angry, like yelling at him or, or trying to like scold him in the moment and not just him, but all of my kids have not, it doesn't accomplish anything. They like shut off. So you, it's, you're actually wasting your time and your breath, like, and getting so angry is a complete waste. So we found that it, like, if I say like, I can tell you're really upset, like, do you want to hug? And they're always like, yes. And it immediately deescalates the situation. Whereas before, like I'd spend time explaining and like, you know, trying to like deal with it and get through it and like why and all this stuff. And now like, First thing we do is like, are you upset? Do you want to hug? And they all always say like, yes. And then they immediately, like I feel them and, and I hug. Like they feel it, like release. Yeah. Like they release. And then they can calm down enough where they can have a conversation or I'll tell them like, okay, when you feel like you can calm down, like we can talk about what happened, you know, but we're not going to talk while you're upset because I can't understand what you're saying or because like we can't get our thoughts out. And then like removing him from the situation when he did hit instead of like yelling at him and scolding him and shaming him and whatever, because that just didn't matter at that point, he would get upset. 
I literally just started saying like, okay, we have to take you, like they're going to keep playing, but you have to go, you know, sit with me. And he'd get upset and scream why, but I would just tell him because my job is to protect everyone and you're being dangerous. So I have to take you away so that you don't hurt anyone. And like, as soon as we started doing that, I swear it stopped like immediately because he realized that, well, wait a second, if I keep hitting, like, I'm not going to get to play. That sucks. You know? So it wasn't so much about like, you know, I'm hurting someone or they're going to hurt me or someone's going to hit me or yell at me. He doesn't care about all that. Like that never helped it or stopped it. I feel like it almost escalated it. But as soon as we started being like, okay, now you have to come upstairs with mommy and like, you can't play. He was like, it came to a screeching call and he's like, mm, yeah, I'm not doing that anymore. That sucks. You know? So, um, I really, I love what you said about that. It's like removing them from this dangerous situation because your job is to protect everyone. And it really works. And like, honestly, I know this sounds so stupid. Like, why would you hug someone who's being bad? But like, they're being quote unquote bad because they have so many emotions they don't know how to deal with. So they're, they just release, they're like cathartic, but they don't know how to control them. I mean, like, listen, like I know 35 year olds who can't control their own emotions. So like asking a three-year-old to is unfair. So as soon as we offer like a hug, like obviously they're upset. I mean, when I tell you it completely deescalates the situation, like immediately changes the game. It's so that's that's called co-regulation and, you know, children are babies from birth are born to co-regulate. They need that caregiver to co-regulate. And you're right, like they're not in their thinking brain when they are having a meltdown. So you can't reason with them. Like there's, it's, it's gone. Like it's, it's not going to get to the thinking part of their brain. So when we co-regulate with them and connect with them, you know, validate their feelings and then we can have that conversation and set that limit. Like, Hey, it's not okay to hit but we can talk about it or, you know, whatever we can solve whatever problem. It's not okay to hurt others. And I love that you, it wasn't like, you know, a timeout and isolating, which can be isolating and, you know, can cause shame. But, um, I thought timeouts were, I was supposed to do it, you know, but then I'm learning more now, like, Oh no, it's now. Um, so we have this concept called like a time in, I think um, Generation Mindful, it's, we're one of their um, affiliates. They have like this time and toolkit. And I feel like, you know, when you took your son to the side and like you stayed with him and you weren't like, hey, go sit in this corner, like away. And, you know, like even though he wanted to play, you were still with him and you helped him regulate. And, you know, that that's beautiful. And I bet like, I bet it feels good to you to, or I guess, how, how did you feel? Like, did it feel more like I feel like we have our own intuition and like our our intuition often tells us to connect and to you know show affection and hug even when they're in these moments and I felt like you listened to your intuition and you know I I just uh, how did that feel yeah I definitely listened so this is funny that you that we're talking about this because now like looking back I realized like I broke my cycle which like obviously mine wasn't like abuse or anything but I mean my background is Russian and we're just known to be like more like stone cold people like not very emotional and so growing up I never experienced that kind of like parenting that was very like doting I mean, like, don't get me wrong. My parents love me like more than anything, but it wasn't a very like, like hugging, emotional, like connecting kind of relationship. 
And almost, I feel like now, I don't know if this was like my family. I don't know if this was my culture or if this was the generation. Cause I do see this in other people where like back then I remember like boys, especially really like had to deal with this when they would like make fun of boys for crying or be like, boys don't cry. Or like, you know, stopping such a little girl or they'd be like, well, like they'd make fun of you. So I feel like whenever I would get emotional, which is why I would get emotional even more when I was younger, I would be like almost shamed for it. And mm-hmm. so I grew up like not being able to be emotional. And so when I had kids, I found myself like doing the same thing, like getting annoyed if they were emotional. And so I like, I was like, wait a second, like we need to back up here because this is not appropriate. Like this is wrong to shame a child for feeling and expressing emotion because they trust you, obviously. So I like did a lot of work, like reading and like podcasts and like all kinds of stuff to like really dive into like why that's going on and how to fix it. So when I started doing that whole, like, you know, like immediately offering a hug, I felt like it felt so right. Even though it was not how I grew up, it felt like, Oh, this is like, this is how it's supposed to be, you know? And so now it's just like, I, I feel like a better parent as a result of it, because I feel like my kids long-term will trust me and like, the relationship we're going to have is different than just like, oh, my mom loves me. Like there's going to be like a level of trust there that you can tell anything or express anything and feel like safe. I guess safety is the word I'm looking for, like comforted because I still to this day don't have that. Like I don't have like a, I don't really tell anybody my emotions or like talk about them or go through them or express them or anything. But especially like with my parents, I feel like I always have this weird, like cold boundary up because I was never supposed to show emotion. So now like I'm like programmed not to, it just doesn't exist. So like we never were the family to be like, how does that make you feel? Like mm-hmm. a good Russian girl doesn't have yeah. feelings. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that's just, it's so crazy to say, but like that's how it is. So I I really had to like, cut that off for my own kids. Cause I found myself being, I'm like, why is it annoying me so much that like my three-year-old is upset? That's not normal. Like that's my own shit. That's not his problem. You know what I mean? But yeah, it, that was, that was like our cycle. It wasn't abusive, but it was, it was just a different kind of situation, I guess. So that's kind of how it made me feel. Like I, it made me feel when I hugged him, I feel like I needed that more than he did. I felt like my whole lifetime of hugs, missing hugs came out. And I was like, Oh, like this feels good. Yeah. I think <laughs> there's a lot of like, feeling. Uh, yeah. There's a lot of feeling that comes in like breaking the cycle. It's almost like you're reparenting yourself. Like this is what I needed. And you knew what, like it, it felt right to you. Like, I feel like we know I don't want to say what is right or wrong, but like what works for us and and what's the best for our kid. But a lot of times you let, you know, society and our culture and our upbringing, you know, um, get in the way. And I think one of the biggest cycles that we can break is like, it's okay to feel. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, like what you said, like I'm 34 and I'm like, I need help co-regulating sometimes. Like sometimes I need my husband's help. And it's like, how do we expect, you know, a little person whose brain isn't fully developed to be able to do that. And when we're not regulated, um, meaning when we're not like calm and in our thinking brain, then, you know, we're going to do things that are out of control. We're going to yell, we're going to, you know, have our own tantrum, even as, 
as an adult. So, um, yeah. And I think just like letting children know, like it's okay to feel and letting ourselves know that too, that it's okay to feel whatever it is. And it, it also like, you know, most of our parents and our parents' parents were in survival mode and, um, I mean, and, and they were doing their best and those, those things happened more often. And now we know more and now, you know, we have more tools for healing and things like that, that, you know, it, it's breaking these cycles is more accessible now where it, it wasn't as much for our parents. And yeah. And I mean, some parents, you know, I, I, I want to say like, there were some parents that were just downright, you know, abusive and we could have compassion for their stories and, you know, but, you know, some, I don't believe every parent was doing their best. I like to think most parents are, but, but yeah, I just wanted to say that because I think some survivors, I, I would get triggered by that. Mm-hmm. So, I think a lot um, of parents were just doing what they, repeating the cycle. You don't know any difference, so you just do what you know, and then the cycle continues. So it's yeah. nice that we can, whether it's um, abuse or just d- a different parenting style that, you know, we feel that could benefit our kids in a different way. Yeah. Can you, before we wrap up here, just tell us about your nonprofit a little bit and where our listeners can find it and find you. Yeah. So um, it's called the Sunflower Parent Movement and our website is the sunflowerparentmovement.org. Um, we're also on Instagram and Facebook, and we help parents with access to counseling in Missouri, um, and then access to parenting resources, um, including parenting coaching. We can do that nationwide. With with um, with counseling, it's regulated by state, so we have to stay in Missouri until we, you know, expand. Hopefully, yeah. Is there was there anything else you asked? I'm sorry. I no, that was that was perfect. Where we could find you and. You know, thank you so much for hopping on with us tonight and really like diving deep into this. I feel like so many people can connect to this and really like go through almost like reflect back to their own upbringing or, you know, what, how they're bringing up their kids and kind of find patterns that, you know, everybody has gone through or continues to go through or that they've broken. And I think this is going to be a really good, a really good episode for people to hear. Yeah. Well, thank yeah. you. And thank yeah, it's you. like, we're all a work in progress. Like, I, there's so many things to look at here. Like it's, it's a lot, but I think, you know, we just, just listen to our own intuition and not necessarily our knee jerk reactions and kind of treat our triggers as more of like a gift. Like, Hey, my child is pointing out what, what I think I need to work on, you know, anyways, sorry. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Bonnie, for coming on and like bravely sharing your story. And also, I think that, I mean, it's it's very important that you've broken your own cycles and that you're helping other people break those cycles too, because there's so many things that are ingrained in us that we don't necessarily even recognize as a detrimental cycle, especially when it comes to like emotional feeling and well-being and like dealing with emotions along with other people. So thank you. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Yeah. There's so much that we're unaware of. It it takes a lot of unlearning. Can I just say before we close, there's so many times while Ellen was talking in particular, I was reflecting on like my own childhood and trying to, 
bad. Same crystal. Yeah. So I was like, whoa, like we need a whole other episode for me to add anything to this. Like maybe I need a therapist. Holy shit. Like there's a lot. There's a lot to unpack there. Maybe we'll say that for another day. Yeah, it can can bring up a lot like when you really think about it. But I, yeah, I just felt like I was sort of forced to to think about it. And I also have a a child that is a little bit more challenging temperament wise. That was I found myself triggered all the time. And yeah, it's yeah, it's a lot. Oh, thank boy. you, Bonnie. Yeah. yeah, thank you. Sorry for the hot mess. No, no you did great. So great. to wrap up our episode, this is the Scrub Cats to Big Ups podcast. We're so glad you tuned in. You can find us on Facebook at Scrub Cats and Sippy Cups. You can find us on Instagram at Hey Smart Mamas. You can follow me at Ms. Lacey Lee on Instagram. You can follow Ellen at Ellen Laletta on Instagram. And you can follow Crystal at STL underscore injector on Instagram. And Bonnie, where can our listeners find you on Instagram and Facebook and your website? Yeah. So our handle is um, the Sunflower Parent Movement on Instagram. And on Facebook, it's called the same thing. And our website is www.thesunflowerparentmovement.org. Wonderful. Thank you everyone for tuning in. And congratulations, Bonnie, on starting your nonprofit. That's so exciting. Yeah, thank you so much. Thank you. Bye, guys. guys. Good Good night. Good night.